What's up, Seamus? Hey. Well. It's another episode of... Goodfellas, yeah. Yeah. Great to be in New York with you. Yes, um, likewise. Are you... You're only you're only in town for the day. Yeah, I'm you're, just in for the Goop fellas. Back out, see patients tomorrow. Nice. So. Well, we're connecting here. And yeah. speaking of connecting, we yes. are talking with Chris Winfield today. He's the, the super, super connector. connector. Uh, yeah. He is yes. He's known as Super Connector, and he's also the founder of Super Connective Media, which is a company he and his partner Jen created when he realized he needed to get back in touch with himself. So today we cover so many good things. I mean, in the social media era that we live in, mm -hmm. we talk about just practical tips to reconnect with humanity, which we live in a weird dichotomy of being connected, but yet being, being totally disconnected. The loneliness lonely, yeah. and the rates of yeah. depression, anxiety, and suicide, sadly, since yeah. all of this technology. Yeah. yeah, Chris has an incredible story about what inspired him to be where he is today. Um, and we talk about everything about letting go of our egos and how to manifest what we want and, and a lot more. It's a very inspiring conversation. So let's jump into our conversation with Chris Winfield. So you are the super connector. Yeah, and that's what they call me. That's what they call you. That's the word around the street. What I heard was that you were intentional with meeting a new person, either in person or on the phone, every day, and you've done this for a long time. Yeah, almost seven years. Seven years? Holy shit, well, yeah. you've, been, you've been, okay. Well, I guess that, like intentionally meeting someone new every yes. day. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, how are you doing this? How are you finding the new person? Are you getting their phone number? Like, how much is phone versus in person? I have yeah. so many questions. So, the funny thing about it is it, it sounds so good now, and <laughs> it, there was no plan around this. It was, I was so unbelievably disconnected. I had this whole moment with my daughter. It was three at the time, and just I realized how disconnected. And I started doing this because I hated sitting down and having small talk with people and uh -huh. connecting, truly connecting. I was great at getting going on stage or anything like that or going on TV. But really, like having being completely really connected, I was horrible at. So... And I had also lost all my money right before this. <laughs> and I lost yeah. all my money. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that I mean, it, there's a there's a big whole thing that led up to this. But essentially, I just had this um, moment where I realized like everything I had been doing um, up until that point for like a couple of years, I just wasn't working for me as a person. Mm -hmm. There's a great Seinfeld episode where George like starts doing everything the opposite. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it, it works yeah. out amazing. Like he yeah. orders chicken salad instead of tuna. So I was like, all right, let me, I'm like very disconnected. <laughs> How can I become more connected? So I, I'm good at, I like challenging myself to do stuff. So I said, all right, I'm going to meet with somebody every single day. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I was planning on like a week or so. Yeah. And uh, so I came up with a couple of rules. So that was the first rule, meet with one person every day, be open, honest, and vulnerable with them. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, I never would have told somebody I'd lost all my money or that I was scared or felt like a fraud or any of these things. Mm -hmm. I was an entrepreneur, a guy, you know, I'm supposed to always have it all together and um, one-upmanship and all that stuff. So I just was like, all right, that didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Let me start being real honest with people. And the third part of this was instead of looking for what I could get, 
I started going into every single one, every single interaction with what could I do to help this person. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't necessarily say that to them, but I was thinking about it. So instead of having an agenda uh, for like, all right, what can I get out of this? Like right. even right before we started this, I'm like, whatever you guys want to talk, like I have yeah. no agenda. Um, and because I had tried that and I was miserable, like mm -hmm. it had worked mm -hmm. uh, up until a point, up until it didn't work, but I was just completely miserable. So. I started doing that, and um, the, the way it kind of started was just asking people, who should I know? Who should I connect with? Yeah. Because I had came to this like crossroads in my life where I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'd had this business that had grown to like 100 employees, and it looked really good on the outside, mm -hmm. and I hated it, and it was a mess on the inside, and it was mm -hmm. just like my life. <laughs> so all I knew was what I didn't want, and I think sometimes that's just as powerful. Like sure. I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want that ever. And yeah. I had no clue what I actually wanted. So I just started getting connected to different people and asking people, who should I know? Who should I connect to? And I got connected to you know really super successful people like the guy who owns the New York Times. I remember going to meet him in Times Square. You know, I'm like, oh, this is your square. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he was so gracious and came out to meet me at the elevator. And you know, I just learned so much. Um, and you know, the guy who owns Lowe's Hotels and people like that, or like somebody who had lost everything and uh, like had been completely starting their life. And I just wanted to learn from as many people as possible. So, and then I just kept doing it because it, it it made me start to feel more connected to people mm -hmm. i loved even though i don't think that this is my mind doesn't naturally work the the way of thinking like oh let me help this person and i'm gonna feel better my mind doesn't wake up thinking that my mind wakes up thinking like all right what can i get from the world so i have right. to do all these things to kind of reverse that and yeah it, it's it's now it's just something that is just a part of me um yeah. it's just something whether it's meeting people luckily i live in new york city everyone is coming here or here at some point in you know in a year for the most part just like you guys mm. um and or just getting on zoom calls uh video calls or you know things like that and um also removing any perfectionism from it meaning yeah. like i don't have to have some major breakthrough every single time i don't have to like the person every right. single time yeah there doesn't have to be a great connection it's uh, just like going to the gym a uh, lot of times i don't like uh but yeah. i do it what are some can you, can you share some of the, the 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 more remarkable kind of connections that you have made from this exercise yeah, so uh, the one one of the original ones was Ar so Arthur, who I mentioned, Arthur Salzberger Jr., mm -hmm. um, who's the guy who owns the New York Times. And I remember he was one of the first people they got connected to, and I got connected to him. So I believe that you can get connected to anyone you want through people you already know. Um, and I have like a whole exercise around how to do that. But I got connected to him actually through my father. And my father was not a entrepreneur, not he was a school psychologist. But what he had volunteered for an organization that this guy Arthur was on the uh, on the board of, um, and he built a relationship and then introduced me to him. And I remember, uh, and this was like right after I'd kind of lost everything with that business. I remember going to meet with him, and he didn't have to meet with me. So that's a really important thing to just for me to always remember, meaning there was nothing like that. I wasn't bringing much to the table um, mm -hmm. when it comes to meeting with this guy who's running the most iconic newspaper in the world and uh, everything that's associated with that. So that was like one thing. And then he I remember meeting with him and he m went and met me at the elevator. 
And so when I got off the elevator, and it was like the first time that I was in an elevator that didn't have the buttons, you know, in yep. like those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember getting off, and he's there, and he, meaning he didn't have his assistant or his assistant's assistant or whoever go and meet me. And I just I remember thinking like little things like that. Yeah. You don't realize how big of an impression something like that makes. Like just being gracious with somebody. And when you don't have to be, mm -hmm. it's easy to be gracious when you have to be, when you're looking to get something. So he had nothing to, he had nothing to gain from me. And, you know, that was something. Another really, um, one of the greatest lessons was uh, this guy who's a big actor. I don't want to say his name just because of the nature of the story, but um, uh, he at one point was the highest paid actor on television. And um, he, I remember him telling George me Clooney. this story. No. <laughs> I don't think George Clooney was for actor on TV, was he? Yeah, man. Oh, ER. ER. That's, that's right. I'm started. thinking of like Facts of Life. Um, <laughs> I forgot about the whole yeah. ER thing. I was like, I don't think he got that much when he had his long hair. <laughs> keep going. Wow. I'll, keep, I'll keep guessing. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So, In my head, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing. I'm yeah. So um, he, I remember him telling uh, this story, and this is when it really hit me about how um, prevalent and how imposter syndrome and feeling a fraud is just within everyone. Uh -huh. So I remember him telling me a story, you know, top show on cable, all this stuff, like, you know, making so much money and every single day feeling like, I'm a fraud. They're going to figure out I have no clue what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So every single day, just having that feeling, having that feeling, having that feeling, bought a brand new amazing house in LA, just crushing it, gets up one night to use the bathroom, walks past his brand new dining room set. It's all amazing. And he's like, it was as if the dining room set, the dining room table was talking to me, being like, who do you think you are? They wow. know, you know. And he just realized all of a sudden at that moment that it's never about there's not there's not enough external stuff in the world to fill that hole if you don't fill it from the inside out. Amen. And yeah. you know, just hearing things like that. That a lot of times those types of lessons and just like takeaways and things that put in, mm -hmm. in 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 my memory and then be able to share them with other people were some of like the most uh, amazing things. Just as much as things that led to you know millions of dollars or anything yeah. like that. Like yeah. those were even more important because a, a lot of this was also just relearning how to be a person right. um, to and to be connect. a person that is uh, bringing something to the world. Mm -hmm. um, a mentor of mine always used to say, we have a responsibility to be a better person. And when I first, the first time I heard that um, about eight years ago, like that blew my mind. I was like, really? Like I never thought that way. Yeah. Never thought about being a better person. Now that's, that's the only way I think. You mm -hmm. mentioned an exercise that you have that you use the people in your life to meet other people. Can you tell us about that exercise? Yeah, so it's called the top 20. And this can solve any challenge, any problem that you have. So you wanna raise money, you wanna find a new job, you want to get media, that's like what we do. This will work for anything. So basically what you do, uh, and it's the most uh, un, it's very, very simple. So basically you take out a piece of paper mm -hmm. and you create four columns. 
In the first column, you just think of 20 people in your life right now, in meaning like that you've met throughout your entire life. Um, so it could be somebody that you went to elementary school with, but 20 people that could help you to solve whatever the problem is. Let's say it's getting a job. You're, you're looking for a new job. So you think about 20 people that could help you. Then the next column is, and you brain dump it. You don't judge like, oh, I don't want to ask these people. I don't want to do this, whatever, all the fears, limiting yeah. beliefs that come up. You just write them down. Then the next column, you simply do um, what's their what's their influence level. So is it somebody who owns a company? Great. In this case, then they'd be a 10 in terms of their influence level, not how many Instagram followers they have or anything like that. Um, and then the third column, and you just give them a score, one to 10. None of this has to be that scientific. You don't have to be like, oh, is this person a seven or eight, like round up, whatever, <laughs> who cares? Mm -hmm. The third column is how likely are they to help you? So you think about it and you're like, all right, my father, he should be a 10, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Will Smith, who I met one time, is probably uh, barely a one. Uh, so you just mm -hmm. give him a score. And then you add up, the, you add up and then you see, all right, the, for whoever is the, has the highest score, that's the person that you're going to reach out to first. And that person you can probably just reach out to and just come right out and ask somebody for what you're looking for. So you're trying to get a new job. Most people don't do this because they're like, oh, I don't want to ask people for help. The, one of the biggest misconceptions is that people don't want to help you. Like yeah. you never feel better asking and when you actually help somebody. <clears throat> now, most people, like for example, you feel great when you uh, when you help people, right? Yeah. Okay. His his whole profession is built on <laughs> right. helping people. Exactly. He's a doctor. <laughs> right. Uh, but are you good at asking people for help um, with personal stuff? No, I'm not. I'm actually really bad at it. Right. So, but you yeah. you like helping people, right? Yeah. Okay, so the the reframe around this is like don't deprive people in your life of that gift mm. of being able to help you. Right. When you think of it that way, it makes it so much easier to ask people for help. That's good. Because uh, and uh, this works a hundred percent of the time for a hundred percent of the people that actually do it. Um, mm -hmm. This list has never failed Love if it. you actually yeah. do it. And you just you can make it simple. You contact one person a day yeah. for twenty days. Yeah. What's up, guys? It's Will. As you probably know, my day job is consulting people around the world via webcam at my functional medicine health center. Normally, I'm consulting one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm really excited to announce the launch of my brand new functional medicine online group class. This virtual group class is my solution to continue making functional medicine more accessible and more affordable for people around the world. Designed as a starting point for those who are new to functional medicine, this online group class allows you to learn more about your health from a functional medicine perspective, equipping you with the knowledge and tools to improve your health. During the class, I will review the comprehensive blood labs that you have completed before the class and give an explanation of the optimal ranges for each and every marker and what it means for your health. You will also have a chance to privately ask me and my team questions and have them answered in real time. You will also receive your own takeaway list from your labs so you can refer to it at any time after the class. In addition, everyone in the class will receive customized action plans based on their lab results, personalized lifestyle recommendations, and a list of foods and supplements to focus on and foods to avoid, all based on your lab results. You will leave the class feeling empowered and educated about your wellness. Learn more at drwillcole.com.
That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. I, w- I want to go back to that conversation you had with um, with George Clooney in this table. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, or, or whoever it was. Maybe it wasn't George Clooney. Um, but you were talking about that idea of like filling the void from within. Uh, and right before you showed up here, you pulled a, a chain off your neck yeah. and celebrating nine years of sobriety. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, if there is, you know, if there's sort of one emblematic symptom of, of, uh, of a void within, I think alcoholism and addiction is definitely uh, at the top of that list. Can you talk to us a little bit about your journey to sobriety? Yeah. Um, so, and, and January, you, I hope you're, hope you're open with talking about this. A thousand percent. I am so glad you brought it up. So because it's 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 all about the void. It's all mm-hmm. about trying to fill that hole. Um, so essentially, from the time I was about 13 till I got sober um, at 34, I, I I I drank and used drugs pretty much every day, and wow. from from an early age, and wow. um, and, and I was one of these people where I could still be relatively successful. Um, and so it didn't look like really, really bad on the outside. And so this is a big part of my life was like, how do things look? What are mm-hmm. the optics? Right. And, um, but yeah, I, I essentially, um, I, if you saw me nine years ago or nine years and however many months, um, you'd be like, this is a completely different person, unrecognizable as, um, and if you heard me talking, it would be also completely different. Um, I was I was a great liar, a manipulator, all these different things. I was a horrible father, I'm an amazing father now. Um, but so January 3rd, 2011, I woke up in a rehab in um, Western Pennsylvania where I'd wanted to actually go. I'd had this one short window. You, you get this, like, the, sometimes you just get these windows. Um, and on December 28th of 2010, I'd had this moment um, where the thought wasn't, I want to get sober and I want to have this amazing mm-hmm. life and be spiritual and talk to people about how to better. No, the, 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 the thought was, I can't do this anymore. I'm too tired. I'm done. Um, and I was married at the time. Uh, my wife um, had came down the stairs, and I told her I want to get clean. I didn't. It wasn't anything about sobriety. I didn't know anything about sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get clean, and I said, "All right, I want to go to a ten-day treatment center," because I was like, "I don't want to go to thirty days. Like, forget that. I want to get done in ten. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know uh, uh, the, any of the parts." Um, and luckily, I wound up going to a place um, five days later. They couldn't take me right away. I drank and used drugs until the second I walked into that wow. place. So even though I was done, mm-hmm. I wasn't done until I walked in. Um, and so I woke up in uh, in rehab January 3rd, 2011. I wrote down. I had made this promise myself. Again, like I'm good at making promises myself and keeping them. Write something down every single day. Keep a journal. Write something down. And I ro- woke up and I wrote, today's the worst day of my life. Is that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. If like even though I wanted to go there, I wanted to get clean, I wanted to change my life, I was completely broken. I was completely empty, morally, spiritually, emotionally bankrupt, all these things. So I wrote that down. Now, I love remembering that and I try to remember that every day because about six months later, I looked back at that day and I was like, wow. That was the best day of my life. Mm -hmm. Now, it didn't feel, and this is like, I've applied this to so many things in my life and perspective, I think, is one of the most invaluable gifts that you can have. But it took me about six months to realize that. 
And like looking back, I was like, oh my God, that's the most important day of my life. That was the best day of my life. Now it felt horrible that day. Like I didn't realize right away and like go skipping and, you know, birds landing on my shoulder as I walked up to mm-hmm. the main hall out of detox or anything. <clears throat> um, but there's been so many things like that. And it, it's it, with sobriety, um, I think there's like this idea that it's like you have to want it 100% and, you know, be. For me, it's always been about like just wanting it a little bit more than I don't, and that's like mm-hmm. the, the that's what kept me in rehab. Um, not a hundred percent, but fifty-one percent is what I apply to a lot of things in my mm-hmm. life. Um, we, there's a lot of things that I know I need to do that I don't want to do um, mm-hmm. every single day, and or that I know are good for me, and I don't want to necessarily do them. But I know that if I just want it a little bit more than I don't, mm-hmm. I can do it. So including with my business or with anything, like it's about wanting it a little bit more. And that that's what makes it all like so, so much easier. Um, so when people would come in and talk and I, they'd talk about this life like I couldn't imagine or believe, I was like, all right, I'm just going to try believing them a little bit more than I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do these things instead of not, you know, all these uh, and all of a sudden, you know, nine years later, my life or, you know, a year later, it, it, my life had completely changed um, as a result of that. So how long were you in rehab? In uh, 32 days. 32 days. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the meeting a new person every day happened like two years after. after after that. So, all right. So here's how it happened. I'd started this company nine months before I went into rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did not, I had no plans to get sober, um, the exact opposite. Um, I had been, so I, I was married, my daughter uh, had just turned one around the same time, and uh, we, I was married at the time, my wife and I, who now have a great relationship, but um, it, we're, she's my ex-wife, but we'd started to see a counselor. I told him, uh, I will, I'll quit everything at the, this was July, I said, I'll quit everything at the end of November, um, because I had all these business trips coming oh. up, and I was like, how could I ever stay sober and go to... LA, how could I ever stay sober on a plane? Like all these things. And like, so I said at the end of November with zero, zero, zero inclination of keeping that. Uh, It was just like, all right, this will buy me four or five months or whatever it was. And the last trip, um, the one that I said I was going to get sober after was to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to go for six days. And I wound up there for eight days. And we had just acquired a company. I was supposed to be doing it all speaking. It was just such a mess. And I came back and I was like, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, my daughter um, said goodbye to her. I moved to um, Florida because we had an office down in Florida. Now, here's the crazy thing. And this is like a really important thing for me to always remember as well. I don't know if I've ever told this story. About a month before that, I had friends visiting. I was living in a small college town upstate New York. It was like a, uh, business partners were visiting. It was like a Tuesday afternoon, one o'clock, like in the middle of the fall. And I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to go get a giant V tattooed on my back. My daughter's name is Vivian. We call her V. So I went and uh, they tattoo guys just opening up and I walk in and um, I tell him that I want a giant V tattoo on my back. He's like, you know, when a tattoo guy gives you a double take and is like, really? That's not a good thing. Like, you know, they've kind of seen everything. 
And he goes, do you have something picked out? I was like, no. He's like, that's a pretty big commitment. So the reason I tell this, and I do have a giant V tattooed on my back. And um, the reason I tell that is because like a month later. So like it was all about the outside, all about the show. Like, oh, look at how, I don't even know how that great shows dad, that I'm yeah. a great dad. <laughs> or yeah. just out of my mind um, looking back at it. But you know, and then a month later, yeah, that's where you were I'm at. gone, you yeah, know, yeah. and I'm ready to essentially be out of her life. Mm. Um, you know, and that's, a, it, so I love the, I love reminders. Um, mm. I don't, you know, I don't beat myself up over things, uh, because I, I just don't believe in that, but mm. I like being able to remind myself. I yeah. like remembering because it puts things into perspective. Yeah. You probably, I don't know if you can say this or not, but you mentioned, um, because I'm from Pittsburgh, you mentioned the rehab being in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Karen, um, C-A-R-O-N. Uh, amazing. It's one of yeah. the best places. I, and I wound up there by accident. If I, if I had had my way, I was, would have gone to this 10-day uh, aversion therapy place because it was the first thing that came up in Google. I wouldn't have been a good thing. Um, yeah, so yeah. I wound up at this place, which I look at as like the 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 most magical place in the world. Again, like I I think I hated it while I was there, <clears throat> but I look back at that and it just is because it changed my life. It just yeah, started mm -hmm. to change everything. Yeah. How was it with your daughter? I mean, she was only one at that time. You know, for parents that were or are addicts or they're going through addiction and the damage that can do to a family, how was it for you to repair that relationship with maybe your wife at the time and your daughter? Yeah, so my daughter, I, I, you know, luckily she was too young to really yeah, remember that, that or, um, and to, I don't think she ever really, like you don't have that comprehension at that point. Yeah. And I've, since you know, I've I've built an I have an amazing relationship. Like we were, she's ten, you know, and she's a ten year old in New York City, um, so that's like sixteen, you know, anywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were with the other on Saturday. We were at Sweet Greens eating and having lunch, talking, and you know, she said, "I love talking to you. I love our conversation." So that like to me, like that's like it, it, it like kind of says it all. Like she she'll write me a note saying like, thank you for always being there for me. So again, being that guy who walked out. Mm -hmm. um, and I've since uh, talked to her about, you know, about addiction and everything. And, and then, you know, with, with my uh, ex-wife, it's, it's really about living amends, meaning more about how do I show up. Um, mm -hmm. And in, you know, that's, that's like the most important part because the thing is there's nothing you can do to um, change what's been done, but you can do, you can change what's, what, what you're doing now. Um, right. Because I think there's people have so much guilt and so much shame. And then that just, that's what addiction or anything kind of feeds on mm -hmm. is that shame is the isolation yeah. is and, and it wants that it wants you to feel bad it wants you to think i can never repair the damage that's been done so why even try and you yeah. and constant state of anxiety for the damage that you're going to incur right exactly yeah exactly wait yeah. it's interesting that you know we live in a time where in my opinion in many ways we are more isolated now more than ever connected yeah. so isolated I find it interesting that when you're being intentional with meeting someone new every day it's not through social media so what's your in your experience being the super connector mm. that being a major way that people are connecting today yeah, and, and I'm so glad that you brought that up uh, because that's such a big part of why I go on 
talk about on TV or anything is the connection piece because we are so connected because of our devices, but we're so disconnected. There's like the UK, there's a minister of loneliness. Um, You know, like how insane, like that this is like epidemic proportions of loneliness Mm -hmm. and suicide. And, you know, it's just like, it's because of the, the feeling that we get, um, I mean, I have to be so careful with myself on social media or just my phone in general mm-hmm. um, because it, it, it just, it's amazing. We're watching, for the most part, people's highlight reels, sure. you know, and we're seeing the best part and we're comparing ourselves constantly. Um, and so I, I think social media can be really powerful and it can be a really good thing um, when used a in moderation, I think. This mm-hmm. is just my own thought. So I do connect with people um, on social media, and you know that is where a lot of my stuff has come from uh, in terms of connections. But the difference is moving it to something that is more real. So, And what I mean by that is a connection. So if it's over the phone. So over the phone, you can at least get an idea if you know about tone so so much comes through and text is gets lost um, mm-hmm. you know there's uh, there's just so much so yeah, nuances um, in there, yeah. nuances and then uh, being like on a video call or something you can actually make eye contact with somebody in that and then the best is um, in person so uh, my my own experience is that 10 minutes with a person is more powerful than you know, a year of going back and forth on social media mm-hmm. in terms of actually connecting and you can get a really quick understanding. All right, is this my person or not? And I think that's a really good, um, it, it's really good to be able to be okay with mm-hmm. not everyone is going to be your kind of person. Yeah. yeah, I have a two interaction rule that I can share with you. This is really, really helpful for me. Um, and basically what it means is if I, if I meet with somebody or have a call with them and after two different times I feel worse each time, I just don't do anything with that person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And where it came from was um, I, I, I really wanted to change up like, you know, being too focused on materialistic things, all these things when I started really connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, uh, about four or five years ago, I met this guy who was from China, worked with some of the wealthiest families in China. So mm-hmm. like the you know wealthiest people in the world. And the guy, we met at a conference and he just, you know, he really uh, just became like, he wanted to impress me a lot. And he kept showing me his phone, all his pictures, him with Obama, him with this president, blah, 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 all these celebrities, everything. Everything was talking about money, everything. All right, mm-hmm. all, right all right, cool, whatever. Um, and then there was a huge opportunity with him for me. And so I was like, all right, even though I knew that this was not my person, I felt worse. Like he was mm-hmm. making me go down. Um, or I was l- allowing myself to go down a path that I don't want to go down, but I still kept a relationship with him because of this opportunity. So same thing. Another time I met up with him, we discussed, blah, blah, and then it, I just felt worse about mm-hmm. myself. So the third time he came to New York and I, I introduced him to uh, a friend of mine who uh, was a business partner at the time, and we're leaving and we're walking, I think up to Entrepreneur's Office and um, Magazine. And he said, he's like, get rid of her. We can completely replace her. And this was somebody that had, you know, was a good friend. I'm a very loyal person. And I was like, get rid What are you talking about? And he goes in this whole thing. And I was like, all right, bye. Um, And I never talked to him again. And I was like, wow, I just walked away probably from, you know, a few million dollars. 
And then I had this other thought, though. Why does it have to come from that person? Why does mm-hmm. it have to come from an opportunity or something mm-hmm. that I don't that that I don't feel good about. And so that's where the two interaction. I knew after the first one, but sometimes people could just be having an off day. Mm-hmm. I 100% knew after the second one, so I didn't even need to go to a third one. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. That gut check is so remarkable. I mean, so often we know you know intuitively that it's not a good relationship. You know intuitively that it's not the right deal, whatever it might be. And yes. yet we don't advocate for ourselves and we and we just kind of fall into it. A hundred percent. The intuition, yeah. like trusting our intuition, I I don't think that there's ever a better lesson that I have to learn over and over yeah. than trusting my intuition, yeah, right. trusting the gut. Do you feel like meeting all these people for the past seven years, has it impacted you, your uh, perception on spirituality at all and how you see, I don't know, some connectivity in the universe, some order in the universe at all? Yeah, I'm a big believer in, well, I'm a big believer in a higher power. I'm a big believer in just the, the universe and like that we're energy. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, what I've found is the happier people are usually somebody who believes that or uh, is doing something, um, you know, with spirituality. And it, I, it just from what I've seen in whatever that means for anyone. And I think that the biggest one of the biggest misconceptions is that people get hung up on, you know, oh, spirituality means religion. And what I found is it doesn't matter what it is. It just can't be me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also curious, was your girlfriend one of the new people that you met? Yeah, she she was. She connected with me. Uh, <laughs> it was really random. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, she'd heard about me or something. And um, she actually had to ask me, though. Um, it, and we went for a walk, and that turned into six hours and yeah so for that day she was one of the people so it can work for (laughs) relationships as well a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah so you're you're a big morning person but you weren't always how did you um how did you make that shift from because i that's something that i've struggled with for a long time and i I definitely am much more of a morning person now than i ever was before but it took a a conscious effort on my on my behalf how did you become a a morning person (laughs) it it took a conscious effort and it took that 51 percent one like and it, it still is that a, mm-hmm. a lot of times there so i'm a big reader and one of the books that helped me initially so there's a few books that changed my life um but one of the initial ones around the same time when i started changing all these different parts of my life one was uh choose yourself by james altucher and it talks about like having a daily routine or I think he calls it daily practice. So I started doing different things through, you know, with that, but I never became a morning person. Mm-hmm. And I just read too many articles about people, um, about how, you know, how much they get done in the morning. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, let me try it. And another book that really helped me was Miracle Morning um, mm-hmm. by a guy named Hal Elrod. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Like it's, uh, I started waking up at 5 a.m., and I, it's one of those things that there's nothing, there's, there's nothing more powerful in my life than if I do a morning routine than if I don't. Because in the time since I became a morning person, I've had big stretches of time where I wasn't, meaning that I gave up on it or mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's more important that I sleep or 
I don't. It doesn't really help me. Like there, I, I don't know if you guys ever uh, if something works really well for you, and it works so well that you just stop doing it. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> all the time. Oh, have you ever heard of Whole Thirty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Meditation, like yeah. all these things. Like I'll and then I'll slowly start cutting them out because I'm like, oh, things are working so well. I feel yeah. so great. Yeah. Business is going so. Good. I don't have time for that stuff. And then slowly I start yeah. to feel worse and all these things. Yeah. So yeah, I I know. Without a doubt, that for me, being a morning, having a morning routine, mm-hmm. um, and I don't even know if that means I'm a morning person. It doesn't matter. Like, there's, it, it, you don't have to be a morning person. You don't have to be somebody who loves the mornings. Um, yeah. It's just that you like doing certain things, and I, I now I do a lot. Um, I, I do a lot of things in the morning. Yeah. So, what is your morning routine? I wake up. It's uh, a good that's start. A, that's a good yeah. start without snoozing. Yeah, uh, that's yeah I like love a, I love what you said about the snooze because that's you, you said something about the snooze snooze button, which is crazy. Like if you if you hate waking up so much, and why do you do keep doing yeah, it? Like, do it over and over. over. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's crazy. But the the big thing with that is I, I think the where the morning becomes so powerful is just setting your subconscious mind for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the thing to know about the snooze button is like. All right, that's the first task of the day. And if the first thing that you're doing is hitting snooze, you're procrastinating. So your yeah. mind, you're telling your mind, like, all right, I'm going to procrastinate for the rest of the day. Yeah. Like, let's let's do it. So if you do the opposite, boom. Um, so I wake up, I, t- I say today's the great, best day ever um, because I don't think that way. I wake up and, like, if I just lay there, I'm going to think about all the things that are possibly going to go wrong today. Sure. All the things that are, you know, uh, like out of control already, like without even getting out of bed. So, saying that, I say some quick prayers. Um, I meditate. I write for five minutes in a journal, just whatever's on my mind. I write a gratitude list um, and text it to my friend who does the same. I write a future gratitude list. So, that's like a really powerful one where you just basically do a gratitude list but as if the things that you're wanting have already happened it's unbelievable and you start to change so you're already feeling grateful for them so whatever that is um i read a part of a book and i do some affirmations um so now it's like 10 30 in the morning right yeah yeah. five (laughs) o'clock yeah Yeah. Uh, so now it's time for dinner so yeah exactly um how long does it take you it depends um so hour hour and a half now again, like I went through a stretch last year, so in 2019, where I didn't do any of that stuff. Uh-huh. So everything had gotten so good that I was like, "All right, what am I gonna? I don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, let me." And I slowly became miserable. Yeah, like not miserable, but like not. I didn't enjoy things. I was always looking for, "All right, when's it, when am I gonna lose this or anything?" So. I've had to come to that realization that the the most important work I can do, forget like anything that I'm going to do during the day, yeah. is like how I set my mind up and yeah. for the day. This conversation was so inspiring to me. Um, to just you know, part of my job is being on social media, and mm-hmm. I consult patients via webcam. So a lot of it is technology, and I. I Technology is amazing, yeah. But we have to not let it own us. Yeah, no, I love that idea of actually taking time to meet someone face to face. His two meeting rule, I thought was really cool. That if after a second interaction with someone, you don't leave feeling great. Yeah, maybe it's time to you know eighty six that person from your diet. Yeah, I mean you're right. It's the intuition, and we just like 
keep thinking it's gonna get better. Yeah, <laughs> it does, normally it doesn't, doesn't always get better. No, no, I thought that was great, and it's you know I I really appreciated his candor about not being necessarily a quote unquote morning person, but creating uh, the habit of being awake earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I really, that resonates with me because it's something that I, I work on a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, I do enjoy those moments. Like once I'm awake, I really love being awake. Yeah. It's just, it is hard when, you know, a big part of it, and we've talked about this a lot is if you want to capture those early morning hours, which is wonderful, you really need to do the work on the other end too. And you got to go to bed yeah. early and you got to take, get, make sure you're getting enough sleep. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So for more information on Chris Winfield and his work, head to chriswinfield.com. That's C-R-I-S-W-I-N-F-I-E-L-D dot C-O-M. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, here's another Ask Me Anything. This one's from Jay. He wants to know, who is your biggest mentor? Wow. Hmm. If I had to answer that, my biggest mentor, uh, in the professional sense, uh, it would be a few people. It would be Terry Walls, mm-hmm. Dr. Terry Walls, who's I know a, you're a hero of yours. Mm-hmm. She's been an amazing mentor for me over the years. Uh, Alejandro Younger has been another great mentor in the functional medicine space and Josh Axe, all, all like three amazing people in the functional medicine and health space. They're for me on a professional level and on a personal level, I would say um, probably my wife and maybe that's a cliched answer, but for me, we've been together for so long. I don't think it's a cliche so at all. I think that's a pretty unique answer actually. Yeah, it is. She's like, I bounce everything off of her. Uh-huh. And we've been together since I was 20 years old, and which was like three years ago. Right. And just kidding. <laughs> a long time we've been together. And I trust her. She's my, she's my Yoda in many ways. She's a more beautiful Yoda. But yeah. How about you? Well, I think my first mentor was really my grandmother. She was an incredible woman, um, an amazing amazing person she dedicated her life to social justice and to to serving others um but she was also just she loved life she was a very ebullient lively incredible force to be reckoned with and uh, i spent a lot of time with her when i was when i was quite young and she taught me how to cook she taught me so many things i like to think that any of the the good aspects of my character are a byproduct of her influence and i'm just very grateful that i had that relationship that's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.